It's great to see you again and uh, lovely to see so many people out tonight and uh, just looking forward to sharing this message with you this evening and really feel I've got something of, of worth and value to share from God's word and I just pray that we're encouraged and, and challenged through it. Tonight we're, we're just continuing the, the, the series that we have on pursuing more of God and we're going to think about pursuing more of God through prayer through prayer. And what we're going to do this evening is think a little bit about what is known as the prayer of Jabez. The prayer of Jabez. And up until a few years ago, the name Jabez would have been little more than the answer to a, a difficult Bible trivia question. But now his prayer and his name are widely, widely known. And as we'll see in a minute, the prayer is found sandwiched in between one of those long genealogical lists in First Chronicles that most of us probably skip over when we're reading through it because the names are so hard to actually pronounce. But actually, it's important to try and read through those lists of names for a number of reasons. Firstly, because if you think about it, they are a record of our spiritual family history. And secondly, every now and again, there are little historical facts inserted, insightful historical facts inserted into these lists, and we can miss them by just skipping over all of the, the names and we see them. So the little historical insert that we're going to think about tonight, it's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. So if you have your Bible with you, turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 9 to 10. First Chronicles chapter 4. Now Jabez, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. That instantly makes me stop and think about his brothers. <laughs> like, what did those guys get up to that made him so much more honorable than them? Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called him Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from pain and evil. So God granted him what he had requested. A prayer is going to come up behind me on the screen, hopefully. Uh, we've got a little PowerPoint presentation that hopefully will help you see the main key points as we go through them. I love this passage of scripture. It's a, it's a lovely scripture about an honorable man who prayed a prayer that God answered. And that instantly emphasizes to us a great biblical truth that we all believe in, which is that God not only hears our prayers, but he also answers them too. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is both powerful and effective. God answers prayer. The name Jabez means pain. The name Jabez means pain. And he was given this name after his mother had a difficult birth. It's interesting in the prayer that Jabez asks God to remove or deliver him from the life his name implies pain. Now, this is just conjecture, but it, there's an important point here. Why did Jabez find himself in pain? 
the very name that he was given at birth. I wonder, was it the fact that every time his mother called him that name, she was reminded and he was reminded about the pain she was caused when he came into this world. And so much was that name spoken over his life that eventually he started to live a life of pain. We need to be careful with what we say to people. Our words have power and can be enormously destructive, enormously destructive. And names in the Bible, as we all are aware, have enormous significance. And the prayer shows us that Jabez valued God's blessing by asking for it. He also asked for his territory to be enlarged, probably speaking about his land, and that God would keep him from, prayer, from harm. It's a lovely prayer, and there's a number of things, interesting things, I think we can take from it this evening. Firstly, Jabez actually prayed. Jabez actually prayed. We live in an age, folks, where the place of prayer is greatly undervalued. And it's seen as, as little more than a 30-second exercise, usually done when the head hits the pillow. Jabez actually prayed. I want to read out a, a quote from Leonard Ravenhill that challenges me so much. I, I don't know if it's going to come up on the screen or not. This really challenges me. Ravenhill said, Poverty-stricken as the church is today in many things, she is most stricken in the place of prayer. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many payers, but few prayers. Many fears, but few tears. Much fashion, but little passion. Many interferers, but few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing in prayer, we fail everywhere. Whoa, that is mightily challenging. Failing in prayer, we fail everywhere. And that is actually true. Do you know, we have to give thanks to God that he has blessed our church with so many people with great ability. But actually, ability and talent can also be our greatest weakness. Because what we don't want to become is a fellowship that are good at organizing great services or, or brilliant at producing awesome music. That's not where we want to be. Yes, we should strive for excellence in everything that we do, but prayer is fundamentally crucial in everything because it's only God's blessing, not our talent or not our ability, that changes lives. Jabez actually prayed. And I start with a simple challenge to us all, myself included, because I know my feelings when it comes to prayer. Do we pray? As individuals, do husbands and wives pray together? Do parents pray with their children? And if not, tonight is about challenging ourselves to value prayer. Value prayer and make it something of central importance in our lives to value prayer and make it of central importance in our lives. The first challenge is this. Jabez actually prayed, do we? Do we? Secondly, this is the only mention of Jabez in Scripture. We don't read anything more about him, his mother or the, the brothers he was more honorable than. All we know 3,000 years later is that Jabez 
prayed. Now, I'm sure like all of us, he had his feelings. He had his weaknesses. But all we remember him for is this prayer. And this brings another big challenge for us. What will we be remembered for? What will we be remembered for? Will it be the great career we had, the busy lives we led, or how much talent we had, or how we had a real and meaningful relationship with God? Because folks, if we want to have a real and a meaningful relationship with God, then we need to value prayer and make it of central importance in our lives. Jude verse 20 says this, Dear friends, build yourselves up in the most holy faith and pray, pray in the Holy Spirit. I think that's amazing that 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 scripture tells us the very thing we need to do to build ourselves up in the most holy faith is to pray in the Holy Spirit. Another way of asking the question, what will we be remembered for is, what do we want to be remembered for? What do we want to be remembered for? And I, I would like to think if, if everyone here has asked that question, that there would be something, at least something of, of spiritual value in the answer. And I actually challenge you to think about that question when you go home tonight. What do I want to be remembered for? Because I'll tell you something in life, if we don't set targets we'll ne- or aim at something, we'll never hit anything. What do we want to be remembered for? There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with building a great career. There's nothing wrong with having a family. Those things are enormously important. But as believers, these sorts of things should never be our main focus. And we thought about this on Wednesday night past. We're the people of God and we need to catch a greater vision. Like Colossians 3 verse 2, which says, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. The Bible tells us that this is not our real home. We're strangers here in this world. Some of us are a bit stranger than others, but we're strangers here on this planet. Heaven is our real home. This is not it. And we need to catch a vision that believes the way we live our lives should completely revolve around having a deep and a meaningful relationship with God. And for this to happen, we need to value prayer and make it of central importance in our lives. And so I want to put it to you tonight, folks, that one of the greatest things we should be remembered for as individuals and as a fellowship is being a people who prayed. One of the greatest things we should aspire to be remembered for as a church and as individuals is being a people who prayed. Because the people I know who have the closest relationship with God are all people of prayer. And they will also be remembered for being people of prayer. We challenge non-Christians all the time, don't we, about, about not going after worldly things. And we say, what will it will profit, profit you if you gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? But as Christians, we need exactly the same challenge. We need exactly the same challenge. 
We were reminded last Sunday morning how Solomon said that when we die, the money we make, the careers we had, the wisdom we had, it'll matter for nothing. What's going to matter in that day when we stand before God is the relationship we have with him and what we built in our lives for eternity. That's what's going to matter. And that's why another great reason for tonight's challenge about valuing prayer and making it of central importance in our lives because every time we pray, we're investing in eternity. Every time we pray, we're investing in eternity. I remember a number of years ago, we organized in Crown Jesus for, for R.T. Kendall to come and speak at one of our prayer events and in Dublin and also an event up in Belfast. And I remember him saying to me, Pip, when we get to heaven, we will not regret one minute we spent in prayer. <laughs> and that's so true. When we get to heaven, we will not regret one minute spent in prayer. In fact, if there are regrets in heaven, which there aren't, but let's just say there were, was an opportunity to have a regret. Here, this would more than likely be my regret. So I have to try and counteract it now. This would more than likely be my regret. When I see the glory of God, the majesty of heaven, the reality of the angels, everything that was at our disposal in prayer, I know my regret will be, or would be, I wish I had prayed more. When we get to heaven, RT says, we'll not regret one minute we spent in prayer. I'll probably regret not spending a lot more. So there are two quick challenges from this prayer of Jabez. Jabez prayed. That's what he's remembered for. Do we pray? And what will we as individuals and as a fellowship be remembered for? Can we catch that greater vision tonight again or maybe afresh in our spirit that what is important in our lives is that they, those lives revolve around having a deep and a meaningful relationship with God. And for it to happen, and I purposely repeat it, we need to value prayer and make it of central importance in our lives. We need to aspire to be people like Jabez who are remembered for prayer. And thirdly, in, in the light of what just, we've just thought about there, I want to ask this question, why should we value prayer? and make it of central importance in our lives. Firstly, we should value prayer because God values it. We should value prayer because God values it. Why did God want this prayer of Jabez in the Bible? Sandwiched in between those long lists of names. Why did he want it there? I think God wanted it there because he values prayer and he wants to show us its importance. Now, unfortunately, some people go way over the top in their interpretation of Jabez's prayer. There have been millions of books sold around the world by people who claim this prayer has special power to unlock God's blessing if we repeat it every day. It's sort of like a, a prosperity, name it and claim it teaching that comes from America and it's abhorrent. And it states that if we pray, enlarge our coasts every day, that's going to mean financial blessing or a bigger career, house, family, and so on. Millions of Christians pray this prayer every day, and there's no biblical mandate for the theology. There's nothing in Scripture to say this prayer is any more important than the prayers of David or Moses. If we want to build a theology of prayer, we need to look at the Lord's Prayer and how he taught us that we should pray. 
I just think God wanted this prayer in his word because he values prayer and wants to show its importance. And we know God values prayer because the word prayer is mentioned in different forms over 500 times in the Bible. Prayer was his idea. He came up with the idea. Why? Because he wants a relationship with us that's deep and meaningful. Absolutely. He wants to keep the lines of communication open. Notice it didn't say there that that God wants us to to talk to him through prayer. Because prayer is much more than just talking to God. Prayer is about communicating with God. It's a two-way process. And he wants to keep the lines of communication open. He wants us to access his presence, deepen our intimacy with him. He wants us through prayer to see that hand of God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine. He wants us to see that hand at work. He wants us to catch through prayer a greater vision of who he is. And one of the greatest things for me about prayer is that through it, God wants to change us. We can't spend time in the presence of a holy God and not be changed, folks. Through prayer, God wants to change us. He wants to change our attitudes towards him, towards sin, towards other people, and and, and so much more. He values prayer. He wants a relationship with us that's real and meaningful. Therefore, in response, we should commit ourselves tonight to valuing prayer and making it of central importance in our lives. Tonight's just a simple encouragement to pray more. I haven't looked at how to pray, which is an important thing to do. In some respects, the best way to learn how to pray is just to pray. Sometimes people unfairly criticize the prayer of Jabez and they say it was... It's too introspective. It's, it, it's all about me, bless me, enlarge my coasts. And, and, and that's unfair because we don't know what he was going through. We don't know what he was going through. He mentions pain in his prayer. And hey, all of us know when we feel pain that we're quick to bring it to God. And rightly so. The Bible encourages us to bring all of our needs to God. And sometimes... Prayers that are born out of desperate need can be mightily effective. Sometimes prayers that are born out of desperate need can be mightily effective. But as we thought again on Wednesday night, there's much more to prayer than just me. But tonight, it's not the highs of prayer. It's just a rallying call to encourage us as a people to get up and do it, to value prayer and make it of central importance. So I want to throw out a few challenges and a few practical points here as we, as we come to a close. I want to challenge us as a leadership team. There's a session meeting on Tuesday night. We would value your prayers for that. I want to challenge us as a leadership team in this church to put to the top of the agenda how this church can be made into a house of prayer. How this church can be made into a house of prayer. Thank God for all the activity. Thank God for the ministry we have. But the only way to realize the full potential of that activity is to empower it with prayer. By seeking God, we'll actually see that it's not more programs we need. It's more of his presence. By seeking God more, we'll see. It's not more programs that we need. It's more of his presence. Let's put it 
to the top of the agenda. How can this church be a house of prayer or more of a house of prayer? Because we thank God for the many who do already pray in it. I want to throw out a challenge to every leader of every organization in this church to make sure that the vision for your group and every night that it meets and takes place is saturated in prayer. Otherwise, it's just a lot of activity. It's just a lot of activity. Put it to the top of the agenda in your next meeting. How you can build prayer into your organization as a priority. Think about your next planning meeting, how your program can be birthed out of prayer, not just a token, but somebody opening a wee word of prayer for us and then let's get all our ideas in. How can we learn to birth programs out of prayer? And I'm sure if you're genuine and you're persistent in it, you will see the hand of God at work in your organization and your ministry in this church. Guarantee it. And that's what we're about. It's not activity we're about. We want to see transformation, transformation of lives. Put prayer at the heart of your organization. And we want to challenge every single one of us as individuals, as a whole church, to make this a house of prayer. We are emphasizing on purpose the importance of the centrality and the importance of the Wednesday night prayer meeting in this church. I would even like to take it a step further and say that's the most important meeting in this church. No prayer, no power. No prayer, no blessing. And that's why we're just encouraging you all to come out. Ne nearly had 100 people at the prayer meeting last week and there was a great spirit. I can't wait for this week. Can't wait for it. Absolutely buzzing about it. But before we pat ourselves on the back and we say, wasn't that wonderful? We need to be doing that long term. It's not just about a one-off Wednesday night. It's about this time next year, this time five years from now, that there's even more people. We can't hold the number of people in this church who are wanting to come to prayer because there's such a burden and a desire for it that we're committed to each other, that we're committed to prayer, that we're committed to it through the thick and the thin of life, through those nights of spiritual drought or those nights of spiritual re revival, that we keep meeting together and we keep praying. No prayer, no prayer, much prayer, much power. Jim Simbala, the pastor of Brooklyn's Tabernacle Church, said, the reason I have 5,000 people in my church on a Sunday morning is because of 5,000 people on a Wednesday night praying. <laughs> A 5,000 on a Wednesday night praying. Do we want to see the hand of God at work in this place? Do we want to see him glorified? Do we want to see his hand at work in our lives? I don't want to be the same this time next week than what I am now. I want God to change me, to make me more into being like his son. Do we all want that? Do we want to impact the communities that are around us? Yes, we're going to sit and we're going to look at strategies of how we can maximize the impact of every sphere of influence that there is in this church, how we can get new spheres of influence, but it's a waste of time if there's not prayer. It's of central importance in the life of this church. Please come along on Wednesday night. Davey's going to be sharing. We're going to meet in here and we're going to pray for this place. Lord, let your glory fall. That every time we come in here, there's a tangible sense of God's presence. He's always here. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. 
we want to know his tangible presence, don't we? What about those meetings where we're almost scared to open our eyes because God's so close? Just that awareness of the holiness of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Can we come out? I believe Davy will have a word from the Lord for us, from us. No pressure, Davy. <laughs> but I do. He's got great ideas for Wednesday night. Come out and support not just Davy, but the work of this church. And let's pray. Tuesday mornings, every Tuesday morning, Pastor Tommy and his team meeting at foyer in the, in the cafe area to pray. Here's the bottom line, right? I don't need to know every single one of you to know that there will be great levels of brokenness in this church tonight. Let's be honest. If we can get beyond the superficial, the face that says, I'm okay, everything's great with me, we would actually be able to find that there are lives here tonight that are breaking. There are some people here tonight who just feel that they're just about hanging on to the end of the rope. And we want to be here for you on a pastoral level. If any of you want prayer tonight, no problem. But there's a specific ministry where in confidence you can come and be prayed for. Please avail of it. 11 o'clock to 1 every Tuesday morning into the 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Or if you know someone who has a desperate need, come and the team will pray for you. It's wonderful to have that ministry. Let's make this a house of prayer, folks. Young people, amazing to see so many young people out at the prayer meeting on Wednesday night. We'd love to see all of you because I'm just inspired by young people. I hate saying that because I used to be young, but I can't say it anymore. But you inspire me. You inspire all of us. It's lovely. Your enthusiasm, your exuberance, your passion. And we'd love to see all of you come out. And I come out and teach Teach me how to pray. Show me how to pray with passion and authority. We need you here. We need everybody here, all age groups. And I challenged everyone at the meeting on, on Wednesday night, go and bring somebody along next week. I say, I say, look, my mathematics isn't great, but I know this, that if everybody brings one person, we'll have twice as many people. <laughs> great, not just for the sake of numbers, but to raise the volume of prayer and the spiritual energy and vitality in this place. Sure, it would be wonderful. 7.45 sharp. I'll be finished around 9.15. And then the young ones, Andrew's been training them up to be baristas. We'll get them some t-shirts over the next week. Get a proper uniform for them. Sure, it'll be great. If one of you is a graphic designer, actually, young people, come and see us with a design or something. You'd love to go in that t-shirt. We'll get you a proper uniform. And they want to serve us proper coffees and inspire us to, 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 get, to, to get, have fellowship with each other. It's going to be a great night. If you have never been, I know it's daunting coming to meetings that you've never been to before, but you'll be welcomed. You'll not be put under pressure to pray. You'll love it. It's a great atmosphere. Let's make this a house of prayer. And then we want to, to encourage us as individuals to respond to this as well. Our corporate prayer life is important, but it should only be a reflection of what happens in our own individual lives. God's not going to magically make us into prayer warriors overnight, but the onus is on us tonight to respond. The onus is on us to respond and spend time with him, even when it's dry or we feel that the prayers are hitting the ceiling or not working, that we keep spending time with him and deepening our walk with the Lord. Derek Bingham used to be one of my mentors whenever he was alive. I loved it. I miss him so much. 
And he, he said to me, what, he, said, he said, Pip, see whenever the disciples asked Jesus to, to, learn, to teach them how to pray, and he, and he said, um, you know, whenever you go into the closet, close the door, and whatever your father sees in heaven, boom, boom, boom. He said, whenever Jesus was telling the disciples that he, they were in the temple, and the word that he used for closet was the same word as chamber. And the chamber in the temple, he says, I wonder was Jesus pointing to the chamber at this time? The, word, the chamber in the temple is where the money was kept. So Derek said, I wonder was Jesus pointing to the chamber? And he says, whenever you pray, go into the chamber because that's where the treasure is. That's where the treasure is in our relationship with the Lord when we are one-on-one -on -one with him and we are in prayer. I wonder if we maybe set aside this gift of prayer. Well, please don't feel overnight uh, that we need to be spending hours in prayer. Here's a little challenge for us. Davey threw out a challenge as well. Here's another one. Could we try and spend five minutes a day in prayer? Even if four minutes of those five are in quiet because we don't know what to say, let's spend five minutes a day in prayer. If we don't know what to pray, put on a worship CD that we love and the words of that will just help us pray and worship God through the, the words of that song. That's an important part of prayer. And if we're married and if we have kids, do that time with the family. And I actually want to challenge the men here tonight to initiate this. Don't be waiting on, on your wives or anything to initiate. You initiate this one in your own home. Because I've found in so many churches that women have been carrying the spiritual flame for so long. There's so many prayer meetings I've been to all over this province, and it's predominantly women who are there, and I am so thankful to God for them. But often in many churches, the question is being asked, where are the men? Where are the men? And it's high time that men all over this land started to step up to the plate and be spiritual leaders in their homes. So I'm challenging every man, if you're married, on the way home tonight, your wee wife will be waiting for you to say it, okay? On the way home tonight, you say, look, how could we do that five minutes a day in prayer together? How could we do that five minutes a day Today, a day together in prayer. And I guarantee you these three things. If we all do it and stick to it through thick and thin, we'll all grow closer to God. We'll see the hand of God at work, not necessarily getting everything we ask for in the way we want, but we'll see his hand at work. And, and here's another thing I'll say. This time next year, I'd be very surprised if we were only spending five minutes a day in prayer. Be very, very surprised by it. But the onus is on us and the amount of hunger we have in our hearts will determine the amount and desire we'll have to respond to this message. But I'll tell you this, God will not pour out his spirit where he does not find hunger. And I know if we search deep enough, there's hunger in all of our hearts for more of him. There absolutely is. So folks, as we come to a close, the worship team are gonna to join me up on the stage here. As we come to a close, we live such comfortable lives and it's so easy to, to spend time in ministry depending on our own ability. But I wonder tonight, has God shone a spotlight into our lives as a church, our lives as individuals that maybe lets us see we're at ease in Zion when it comes to prayer? God doesn't beat us over the head with a big stick. I'm so thankful for that one because if he did, I'd continually have one whopping headache. 
because he'd be continually beating me over the head with a stick. He doesn't do it. That denies his grace. He's just lovingly calling us afresh tonight into a deeper place and a deeper walk with him. Billy Graham said that to avail ourselves of prayer is the greatest privilege this side of heaven. Can we respond to this? Jabez prayed. That's what he's remembered for. Do we pray? What will we be remembered for? And that challenge of catching a greater vision that believes our lives should revolve around having a deep and meaningful relationship with him. Well, if we want it, we need to value this message tonight. We need to value prayer and make it of central importance in our lives. And hopefully there's a practical way that each of us has been given that we can respond to that tonight.